Today we're going to speak about authority. If you just remain standing just for a couple of more minutes and I'll have you sit for the next five hours. But uh, walk in the, in the authority, right? And so, and with any authority, there's power and respect and responsibility that comes with that authority. Today we're going to look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at the Great Commission, uh, kind of dealing with it from an authority point of view as well as some other scriptures. And so um, I've entitled this message, Kingdom Authority, kingdom authority. Matthew 28, jump right there, right away to verse 16. And then uh, 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Some of his disciples doubted, it says. And Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Highlight that word, bold that word, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, baptismo, baptizing them, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Lord was given authority on, in heaven and on earth. And then he has delegated that authority unto us, to his children. And the question is, or the big idea is, what are you doing with that authority of God? What are you doing with that authority that God has given you? Do you embrace it? Do, do you understand it? Do you, do you will it rightly? Do you uh, neglect it and, and abuse it and put it on the side? With authority comes power, respect, responsibility. Let's pray. God, help us to utilize the power and authority that you have given to us. Too many of us have given it away. Too many of us have let it be idle way too long. And we're asking you now, Lord, to release your gifts in this house and to release your authority in this place. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your saints, your children will understand they are to walk in your authority. They are to walk in your power. And we ask you, Lord, to move powerfully in this house and continue forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. His power is real, church. His power is real. Hallelujah. Let's start off this message by defining authority. Defining authority. Authority defined by definition. Authority is the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. Merriam-Webster, as if I know that person, says, authority is the power of influence or command, thought, opinion, or behavior. And we might say a person in authority has authority to give uh, directions to other people, but often that authority is limited in its scope. And through experience, we know that some people just have more authority than others. That's just the way it is. Some people have more authority than others. The Romans 13 is a great chapter to look at when you're talking about authority. All authority comes from God. Let's read in Romans 13. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. And this is, uh, for there is no authority except that which has been established, which God has established. The authorities that exist have been, exi uh, have been established by God. Verse 2, consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so bring judgment upon themselves. For rulers have no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what's right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he is not there the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent to, of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of the possi uh, possible punishment, but also for conscious, of conscious. This, this, verse 6, this is also why you pay taxes. We ought to pay taxes. Uh, I, don't, I would say you don't have to pay. You pay whatever you have to pay. Not a dime more, but that's another story. But oh, oh, this is also why you pay taxes for the authorities of God's servant who give their full time to governing. 
Give everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, again, pay taxes. Revenue, then revenue. Respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I would say now some of these scriptures are hard to understand and embrace at times. I will tell you that. I think there's room for interpretations and variations of this. But I do not believe that we ought to follow all authority blindly. I don't even believe the Bible teaches us to just blindly follow authority. While all authority flows from God, not all authority is equal. And there are decisions that have to be made when we're following uh, any person who's in authority. And for one, uh, when authority is pressing you to do something that you ought not to do, and it's pressing you to do something that's counter to God's word, we have to always follow God's authority, God's word, and God's authority always over man's word and man's authority. Secondly, God has ultimate authority. You need to understand that he has ultimate authority where man and women and people have limited authority. God is perfect in every way. Man is not perfect in many ways, right? And we'll make mistakes. So we need to decide how far we're going to follow someone, how far we're going to allow someone into our life, how far we allow that authority to control our lives. And with COVID, many people allowed it to go way too far. We saw government take their power and authority in many ways to new heights. It was almost as if we were kind of part of some like larger science uh, experiment. And looking back, we, we know there's uh, a lot of manipulation and wrong information and fear-based practices that some in the government uh, were trying to put forth to hold people under their thumb and under their uh, control. Lies were often told and certain authorities and other institutions seem to be pressing way beyond their, their legal limits. Most people fell in line and trying to be good citizens in, in light of some what I call some evil practices. But remember, for he is God's servant to do you good. But they will not always, they will not always be in your best interest or have your best interests in mind, and yet we ought to submit to authority. That's what the Word of God says. By the way, let me just say this too for those who might be taking notes, and you might want to take notes for this, uh, but obedience and submitting to one's authority, I don't believe is the same thing. Obedience is more about action. Obedience is more about following a command. Submission is more about attitude. Submission, attitude, respect, a yielding to the one in power and authority. It's about an attitude. And so you can actually disobey an order and be uh, in submission by respecting that position of that leader. In other words, honor the position, not the behavior. Honor the position, not the behavior. Be careful of treating leaders disrespectfully and without honor what God has implemented. Be careful of that. All authority comes from God, but not all authority is godly. At times, um, it reminded me as over the last few years of uh, what happened in Germany. People were told to get on the train. They had no idea that they were having a one-way ticket to a concentration camp. Many were given out their yellow stars and, and told them to wear them at all the times. And, and the ones who did not comply, the ones that maybe were sympathetic to the Jews, kind of disappeared or lost their job or had to flee from their country. All authority from man is limited authority. We need to understand that when we're following authority. For, for example, the government is not to control how we worship in church. Did you know that? The government is not supposed to do that. They might think they're supposed to do that, but they're not. They don't tell us how to worship. They might be able to shut the building down because of some code violation or something if they choose to, but, but they don't control how we serve the Lord, right? They, they don't control how we worship the Lord in our services. They have limited power and, and authority. And when it's abused and when it's overstepped and when they go too far, people will suffer and there will be consequences. One day they might go ahead and try to shut down churches again. Uh, they might, a new, ver, a new virus might just happen to emerge again, maybe during election time or something like that. And some, something maybe more dangerous or threatening might appear and we need wisdom on what to do next. We need wisdom. Right. Uh, but currently, we still have a right to assemble in the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. We have the right to do that. We're not going against authority when we assemble. We're allowed to do that in this country. And remember this. God tells his church, do not forsake the assembly. Amen. Do not forsake getting together. The government might tell us you got to wear masks. Right. 
Um, they might tell us this again. Keep your distance. And one day they might tell us um, to walk around with, a, a, you know, a sterile jumpsuits on. And if we don't comply, we might end up with orange jumpsuits on. You'll catch that tomorrow. Uh, because they might throw you in jail, all right, uh, for non-compliance or something like that. For he is God's servant, an angel of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. But again, in America, we still have the freedom under the Constitution, right, to freely assemble. And when that is removed, like it is in other countries that are not as free, right, we have to figure out ways to assemble. We will have to figure out ways to communicate. We will have to figure out ways to evangelize, ways to obey God's laws and decrees rather than man. And if it means violating the law of the land, so, so be it. If it means assembling one day in secret, so be it. Why? Because government authority is limited authority, church. And they do not control how you worship the greatest king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am. You are freely to worship him in spirit and in truth with no limitation. That's the way I see it. They can tell you to bow down to them. They can throw you in a fire for non-compliance. But we are told to worship God. Worship God first and foremost. Make God the priority in your life. And even when you're raising your children, and when they're young, and you might have a little bit more control over them, as they get older and your authority over them and control over them might lessen a, a bit, as they, as they mature, as they, as they have more and more control over their own life, uh, they need to make their own choices. You, you might force them initially, go to church. But if they don't go to church on their own one day, they're, they're missing it. If they don't want to be with the body of Christ, they're missing it. If they don't really believe in Jesus Christ, they're, they're missing it. So you can only go so far and press so far, but one day they have to stand on their own. They have to make their own decision for themselves. So raise them up in ways of the Lord now. Yeah. Give them opportunities in the ways of the Lord now so that when, while you still have a measure of influence, over them. Amen? Yeah. At work, we typically have a boss and there's workers. And someone's in authority there. You might not think, hey, there's no real authority here. But, but there's a boss and there's workers. Again, limited. You don't have to obey them. You don't have to get paid either. You don't have to obey them. But you might not have a job by the end of the week either, right? Again, it's limited authority. And that boss doesn't really generally have the right to, to overstep and tell you what to do in your own household. Nor do they tell you how to worship. They might tell you, they might have control some stuff at the job, but they don't control your free time. They don't control your lunch time. They don't control your evangelizing time. First Peter chapter 2 tells us to submit. Guess what? Even to bad leaders. Again, obedience and submitting are not the same thing. Obedient, obedience deals with action. Submission deals with attitude. Attitude. An attitude of the heart, an attitude of the mind, an attitude in your thinking. We are to respect and honor our leaders, even if we don't like that person. Now, the Bible defines authority, at least gives us some examples of that. If you want to write this out, Matthew 8, we're going to take a look at that real fast, beginning at verse 5. Matthew 8, verse 5, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and, and is in, in terrible suffering. Jesus says to him, I will go and heal him. But the centurion is going to say something here. He has a different idea because he understood power, respect, and authority. And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just like that. All Jesus has to do is say one word and your healing comes. For I myself, a man under authority with soldiers under me, I tell this one to go and he goes. And that one, come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this. And he does that. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. In verse 13, Jesus heals the servant that very hour. And the centurion says, and says to the centurion, I should say, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. <coughs> Excuse me. That centurion understood power, authority, and influence. He would say to someone, go, and they go. Come, and they come. Do this, 
and they did that, it would be done. And if not, there was going to be consequences for, for not obeying and for being disobedient. And he knew that Jesus had the right and Jesus had the power and Jesus had the authority to heal and to touch that servant. And because of the faith and his belief, he was healed. That servant was touched and healed. Now, for those who reject Jesus Christ, who reject his power, who reject his authority, there will be consequences. There will be punishment. There, there, there will eventually uh, will be thrown into a darkness for rejecting the light. Man chooses to live in darkness and rejects the light. And the Bible says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One day we will be held accountable for rejecting, the, for rejecting Jesus. And throughout history, people have challenged authority. And, and we see, read about this in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 1. God gave humans a dominion and an authority over the things on earth. In verse 26 of Genesis 1, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let him rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, it says. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created him. You should, in, in today's world, we need to highlight that word too. God created. God made humans. Not some mixture of time and space colliding in time and space. Oof, we're here. My, my, my uncles don't look like monkeys. That's all I'm going to say. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in numbers. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So we learned that humans have dominion. Humans had dominion over the earth. They were to rule it. They were to subdue it. They were to go out further and increase. But it was limited authority. It wasn't unlimited authority. In Genesis chapter 2, we learned the Lord, verse 15, the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. Go to work. Today, people don't want to work. Go to work. Take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man. This was not a suggestion, by the way. It was a command. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So we see that, that God did not give up all his authority. He gave up uh, some authority over to man. And man was still supposed to obey God, obey his laws and decrees, and not do just whatever he pleases. Today in our country, we do whatever we please. But God says, no, you, you are here to please me. You are here to do what I ask you to do. God said, don't eat of this tree of good and evil. When you do, you will surely die. Now, when time we get to Genesis 3, we're seeing God's authority is now being challenged. It was disrespected. It wasn't honored. It's being challenged, authority challenged. The Bible says... In chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had God has made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say? He probably went, Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. God's authority is being challenged. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the tree in the garden, but, but God did say, You must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. Or else you would die. God never said that. God never said don't touch it. He said don't eat of it. So when we don't know God's word. And we just start making things up. Right? And we don't really understand what God's word is saying. When we fail to understand and embrace what he's saying. We're heading down a very slippery, dangerous path of destruction. We must follow God's word. And obey God's word. We must study God's word. We must know God's word. Open the book and read it. Now the serpent said in verse 4, you will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some. She ate. She also gave some to her husband. Open up, darling. Who was with her? And he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. 
in Genesis chapter 3 explains the fall of mankind. It's a prophetic word also in chapter 3 verse 15, but we're not looking at that right now. But it explains the fall of mankind. It shows us that when we start challenging God's authority and his words, we start falling into sin. When we think we know best and we want to do our own thing, we start falling into sin. When we don't follow God's will and his ways, we are rejecting him, we are dishonoring him, we are doing our own thing, we sin. And when we do that, we fall, and then we start giving up our authority. That's how it works. Adam and Eve realize all of a sudden that they're naked. Woo, naked. That was me. Ooh, naked. Yeah, we got it, my wife said. Enough with the sound effects, Pastor. These eyes are open. Their eyes are now open. And guess what? They started looking at each other differently. Sin does that. Adam never looked at his wife the same way again after she sinned. She was a sinner. She was deceived, full of sin. But guess what? So is he. So is he. Instead of leading, he followed. Instead of standing up for righteousness, he gave in to the fruit. Their relationship was tarnished by sin. Our relationship with God, tarnished by sin. Our relationship with our spouse and others, tarnished by sin. And when this happens, we start to fall. There will always be negative consequences when we fall into sin. And one thing that happened, fear takes over. Fear takes over. They were no longer waiting and standing in the cool of the day, waiting for God, you know, walking in God's authority. Fear takes over, right? They were naked. They hid. They were fearful. They were ashamed, right? They were no longer in the open. They isolated themselves from God. How many of us isolate ourselves from the church and from God and from other believers because of our sin? We're shameful of it. We're fearful of it. So we leave the very place that should be coming for help. Our family, the church, the Christ. They were naked and they hid. And then they start immediately blaming each other. There are going to be consequences for violating God's commands. Pain and suffering followed. Death and decay, broken relationships, wounded hearts follow. They cast out of the beautiful garden. And they went from dwelling with God daily and walking in the cool of the day with him to broken relationship with him and casting out from his presence. They relinquished their God-given authority when they sinned against God. Authority relinquished. Their authority was given over to the serpent. God gave authority over to man, and, and man gave it away. And the more of our authority and power and influence that we relinquish, the more of it's going to be removed from us. Authority removed. And now Satan was, his ways often become our ways, unfortunately. Satan's a liar. He's a thief, right? We know that he came to steal, to kill, to destroy. He wants to hinder us and block us from using our God-giving gifts and talents and abilities. He wants you to hide those gifts. He doesn't want you to utilize those gifts. He doesn't want you to stand up for him. Satan, Satan's a liar. And so he does many things. And, and he tries to talk away, talk you out of your authority. He tries to trick you. In, in ways and saying, I know better than God. I know better than the Holy Scriptures. I know better than the Word of God. And then shame and pain and fear and discouragement takes over because we, we turned our back on God's truth and on His words. And He places, Satan places possessions and opportunities and choices and, and fills in a way, however He does it, our hearts and mind with deceit. The more you yield with him, the more he invades your heart and mind. And the way you think, the harder it is to take back your authority and control over your life. Can't do it on your own. The more you yield to sin, the greater pull it will have on your life. You give a little, and you, you give a little more, and find, you find yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. It starts off small. Let me just do this little sin. Let me do this little lie. Let me take a little theft. Let me do a little thing. It, maybe it's not even intentional. But you're still violating God's words, right? So as you give into sin and relinquish God's power and authority in your life, you start to become less powerful. Power leaks out. 
Satan arranges these circumstances and uses these things and people to hinder God's plans in your life. Satan is a created being, by the way. God is not a created being. He always was and always is. Satan is a created being. He was a holy angel. Many people call him Lucifer, but beyond, besides many other things. He seemed to be a created uh, cherubim, one of the highest angels in the courts of heaven. He, he's powerful and beautiful and possibly the main worship leader at the time in heaven. But his pride led to his demise and his downfall. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be exalted. He wanted that power and authority that was in heaven. He wanted to be like God and walk in God's power and authority. But that position was not meant for him. It was never meant for him. It was never designed to be his. And so he was cast out of heaven because of his sin. God removed him from his position of authority as he sinned. And he lost his main role and functions in the process. Now Satan's misuse of power and authority got him banished from the presence of God. And so then he started looking for ways to get that power back. How did he do it? He started to attack Humans. He started to attack mankind, right? He started to attack through deceit. And he was able to get man to relinquish, and women, and boys and girls, humans, to relinquish their authority. So man's authority was now removed. Man lost that power, that position to oversee the earth. And now Satan became the ruler of this world, the prince of the power of the air. He now has taken dominion from man. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, The Satan is the God of this age, has blinded the mind of unbelievers. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan and his demons have created havoc on earth. And the people of earth allowed it. And he still continues to bind people. He still continues to take the power and the authority somehow away from people. But I'm glad that's not how the story ends. Hallelujah. It doesn't end there. We're overcomers in Christ Jesus. We know how the story ends. All authority, power, goes back to its rightful owner. Satan, we know, is a defeated foe. But he keeps trying to gain back power. He continues to try to take over your power. By how? By, by lying, by cheating, by stealing, by trying to trick you into giving up what God has already given to you and declared over you and over your life. Don't buy into the lies of the enemy. Why are we listening to the lies of the enemy? Why do we spend more time in the enemy's camp than in God's camp? Power up, church. Understand what your position is before you start treading in areas that you don't belong. Don't buy into the lies of Satan and, and his minions. Authority restored. Jesus is going to gain back what was taken from man. But first, Jesus has to deal with Satan. And Jesus is going to be tempted by Satan. And remember, God gave dominion, leadership, authority over to Adam and Eve. And they gave it away. They gave it away. In Luke chapter 4, God gives us some more details. Let's begin reading that from verse 5 of Luke 4. The devil led him, Jesus, up to a high place and showed him in an instant. So he's powerful, right? In an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the authority and splendor for it has been given to me. Wow. And I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Saint was trying to hold was trying to hold on to his power. And if he can get Jesus to worship him, if he can get Jesus to sin, if he can get Jesus to lose sight that he came to do the work of Father God, then he would never make it to the cross. He would never be able to be the, the uh, 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 never be able to become the savior of the world. So Jesus combated Satan with what? With scripture, it is written. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Three times Satan tries to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. And he tried to tempt him with power, passion, prestige. He tried to tempt him with the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But Jesus wasn't having it, praise God. Right. He wasn't yielding to him, praise God. And Jesus defeated Satan with the truth of God's word. It is written. Man doesn't live on bread alone. It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him 
only. It says, do not put the Lord your God to test. Verse 13, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him an up to time. We know that Satan wasn't able to overcome Christ or trick him or tempt him to give up his calling. Jesus came to do the will of Father God in heaven. Jesus came to seek and save men and women from their sins and, and destiny of hell and, and, and gnashing of teeth, as the word of God says. Jesus became, uh, came because he loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves all of us. And he wants a forever relationship with us. Why would we ever give that up? Why would we ever relinquish that? And while he passed the test in the wilderness, he will now need to come to the cross. And even on the cross, Satan thought he gave Jesus a, a death blow. But Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, right? 100% God, 100% man. Jesus was sinless. Satan, therefore, had no power or authority over Jesus. And Jesus overcame death. And Satan no longer wielded his full power and authority on earth. Powerful? Yes. All-powerful? No. But all power and authority is given to Jesus. And we'll read about that in a few moments. And then he gives delegated authority over to us. Number five, all authority given. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. To who? Jesus. To Jesus. All authority. All authority. You know when the Bible says all, it usually means all. I don't know. We complicate everything. All means limited. All means some. All means blah, blah, blah. No. All is all. Satan has limited authority. You have limited authority. I don't care if you think you're big and powerful. You only have limited authority. And you can't make me do something I don't want to do. Especially if I know I'm going to live forever with, with God in heaven. You can try. That doesn't mean I'll break. I might break, and breaking might be dying. So what? I'm going to be forever with the Lord in heaven. Amen. Your authority is only limited over me. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Now, don't, don't be prideful about it. Or don't boast about it. Just know your position. Know where you are. God appointed. God anointed. God moving. God declared certain things over us. Just embrace that. Hold on to that church. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. And what does Jesus do with that authority, right? He gives some of it back to us. How beautiful is that? It's called delegated authority. His authority he gives to us. Now we walk in that delegated authority. I'm sending you on my behalf. Go do this. Authority delegated. But the problem is that we still face today is that we so often don't walk in that authority, right? In, in a sense, we keep giving it back. We allow fear and deceit and discouragement and so many other things to hinder the power of God and his authority in our life. So many things get in between us and God. We allow it by the way we live, by the way we act, by the way we understand things. Let me show you how this works. And, and John Bevere in his book, Intimidation, gives this example. Imagine owning a, a beautiful house filled with expensive furniture and half the roof of, the, of your beautiful home is, is, is wide open to the elements and so the, the storm comes and the rain comes and it floods the entire house and almost everything inside the house is just totally ruined. So you start to replace it, you start to fix it, you start to repair the inside of your house and almost immediately as you're doing that and almost done with that project, another storm comes and more damage starts happening. So you set out to fix and repair and replace it again, the damage, right? All over again, all the expensive tables and furnitures and paintings, and it costs you time and money and energy and, and, and effort and focus only for another storm to come its way. With every storm, your, your resources, your strength, your ability to fix and, and repair and replace and restore will start to diminish and eventually your, your, your funds and your strength it's going to be depleted. You become discouraged. You become worn out. You start to fear the next storm. You start to struggle uh, about the next storm, about the next heartache, about the next problem. And you stop fixing and you stop replacing things. And you, and you start to yield uh, to the fact that this is your lot in life. And then you start to learn how to cope and deal with the mess with the battle, 
with the hard times. And then you settle in and you give in to this life of woe and worry and fear of that next storm or the problem that will come your way. And you see no way out. Blinded by woe and worry. Tired of all the hard work and it seems that you're spinning your wheels over and over again and really getting no traction. Now that might sound absurd, and it is, but that's how many of us choose to live. Paycheck to paycheck, from woe to woe, from storm to storm, from problem to problem. Never able to get ahead, never able to, to overcome the storms in our life, never able to get a solid footing, right, or a head start in life. And of course, you might just simply say, fix the roof, <coughs> right? Common sense, that would make sense. But again, however, that scenario plays out over and over again, and it's happening inside the churches across America. It is happening in the believer's life as well. Why is that? Because we are not walking and working and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's so simple. Because we're not staying in the presence of the Lord. We're not staying in close proximity of Him. Because we're often focusing on the wrong things. We, we learn to cope with the problem instead of dealing and fixing the problem. So we struggle in life's battles. We struggle in fear and intimidation. We struggle with many of the enemy's flare-ups and accusations and things they throw away. And we miss so often the roots of the problem. Fix the problem. And a lot of the fears and worries and, and woes start to disappear. Pause and analyze. Reflect. Why does this keep happening to me? It's always someone else. Why is it happening to me? Don't just learn to cope with the problem. Especially when there's a solution to the problem. Right? Or the situation at hand. Many times we just need to pause and pray and regroup. Yes. Amen. Prayerfully go to God and say, God, what are my next steps? What do you have for me? What are my next steps? Too many people are motivated by fear. Too many people intimidated by life. Too many people have neglected their God-given gifts and abilities. They have gone dormant or they're just not functioning properly because you've neglected it. You neglected it. God gave it to you. You neglected it. But God has other plans and purposes for us. I don't care where you've been. It's where you're going that matters. And his plans are good. That's what the word of God says. His plans are good. And his words or promises are true, but we need to trust his process. Trust the process. We're not designed to actually live from problem to problem, defeated all the time. We're not designed to actually barely make it. God's words and promises are true. He's a loving God. And we are his children. He loves you. He loves you. And he will take care of us. But there are things that we must do. There are things that we, that we must do. And as children, we have the rights. We have the rights to that. We have power and authority. And, and we, are, we are heirs to, to heaven. And we're told, resist the devil and he will flee. But do you know that's only partly true? For decades, I've been listening to Christians quote that scripture. James 4, verse 7. But what does it really say in James 4, verse 7? Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We keep repeating the same sins and mistakes that Adam and Eve made in the garden. <coughs> we only pay attention to some of what the Lord says. Yes, we are to resist the devil. That's what the word of God says. But first, submit to God. Submit to God. We cannot resist God. We cannot resist Satan in our own ability, in our own power, in our own authority. We need God's power and authority to do that work, church. Why are we failing in so many ways? Because we're not following the instructions in the book. We need God's power and authority. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to submit to the Lord. We need to commit to the Lord. We need to stay near to Him and we need to consecrate ourselves, purify ourselves, set ourselves apart from the world. We need to purify our hearts and lives by living rightly. Not the world's standard, but God's standard. That's what we're following. Verse 10 of James 4 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will elevate you. He will lift you up. Our authority, our delegated, limited authority, comes from the Lord. 
It comes from the Lord. Joe, it comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. And as we dwell in the presence of God, as we get closer to God, the greater power and authority He will release in your life. Now, we are faithful with a little, God's word says, He will bless us with more. As we surrender more of ourselves to Him, He will release more authority and power and influence in you. But sin needs to be purged. You can't keep sinning the way you're sinning. When you fail, get up, repent, and go again. But we need to stop it. We need to do our best and stop saying, it's just okay, it doesn't matter. Over and again, people are just like, eh, the saint made me do it. No, you, you knucklehead, you did it yourself. Come on, stop it. We blame him for everything, for all our craziness. Yeah, he, he, he's a, he, has a, he's, he has one foot in the problem. But we give him way too much power and authority. So many believers are, are walking and working depleted, with their batteries depleted, almost out. It's like your cell phone. Every night you go home and you charge your cell phone. Or, or by the morning, it's, it's, it might be dead. And some of you might be saying, oh, my, I got the best cell phone. I got this Apple, blah, blah, blah. It, it lasts forever, you know. Yeah, that might be true because you're not really using it the way it was designed to be used. The more you use your phone, the more power it's needed to keep it going. Power has a way of leaking out over time. And as you use it, and the more you use it, the more frequently you're going to need to power up. We need to power up, church. All, all, all authority and power comes from the Lord. We need to power up, church. We need the, the Holy Spirit to be resident in us all the time and be aware that His power and His authority is operating in us, church. Power up, church. Power up. We need to power up daily with God. We need to stay in close proximity with Him. We need to remain in His presence and purify our hearts and minds. And this happens when we follow God's plans. This happens when we follow the Holy Scriptures. This happens when we, oh, oh, pastor, you're just being very legalistic. No, we're not. I'm teaching about life. Amen. I'm teaching you how to live a healthy, wholesome life. Oh, I put my hand in the fire and I got burned. Stop doing that. <laughs> I do that. I mean, my kids saw me put my hand in the fire like this. How, how slow can you go, daddy-o? I go too slow, I will get burnt. We can be too smart for our own good. But when you feel that hand seize and sizzle, and you smell the flesh burning, you'll remember next time that was stupid to do. Right? We need to follow God's ways and His plans. We need to plug in and power up and plug into His Word and go deeper in worship, go deeper in praise. Oh, I don't pray, I don't sing. Yeah, we heard you saying, we understand, but worship the Lord and singing is not the same thing. So my prayer is, Holy Spirit, convict us. Holy Spirit, empower us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Direct our steps and take all our crooked nonsense and make it straight. However, if we don't listen to him, we will be depleted and we will relinquish power. We begin to grow cold and dull and fall into sin, just as they did in the garden. Often God is going to expose sin by sending someone into your life and say, stop it, <laughs> cut it out, right? And if we don't repent, that sin issue, somehow he'll expose it even more. So you might be embarrassed because that person called you out, but imagine when God calls you out, Publicly, how many, how many, quote, quote, great men and women of God have fallen because they didn't yield and repent for their sins. And now it's a public failure instead of something they could have. I'm not saying hide. That's not what I'm really saying. I'm just saying something that could have been taken care of earlier was allowed to fester. And now it's a big public disaster. And so many other people fell because of that, because they're focusing on that leader instead of focusing on God. He doesn't want to embarrass us, but he wants to warn us. And if we don't submit and yield to him, there will be consequences. We will be judged one day by God. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one. 31, but if we judge ourselves, we will not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being dis disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. God will tolerate sin for a season to give us time to repent and in order to spare us from his chastening. I didn't, I didn't quote that 
I didn't write down the quote, but that's a quote from someone else who's smarter than me. Judge yourself or be judged. Don't, don't, don't wait to hear the master say this, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. God has given us authority, limited authority, delegated authority, kingdom authority. We represent Christ now. If you receive Jesus, you, re you represent Christ. If you call yourself a disciple, you represent a disciple of Christ. Finish the, finish the phrase, Anthony, disciple of Christ. Because we could be a disciple of so many other things, but not a disciple of Christ. If you are a disciple of Christ, you represent Jesus now. And I will tell you this, if you're not going to represent him properly, keep your mouth shut. It, you'll help us all out. Because so many people are getting up there in the name of Jesus and they don't even know who he is. So, something they might have heard one Christmas story, but they don't know who he is. We represent Jesus now. We are to walk and work and minister in his yes. authority. Don't fear the devil. Don't fear the demonic. Don't fear evil. Don't fear the future. Don't fear evangelizing or telling someone other about the love of Jesus. You receive Jesus? Tell a dozen people, I received Jesus today. My life is going to be different. My life is different. Walk now in the power and the authority that God has given you. Now Jesus' authority is being challenged all the time. And we know this in Matthew 28, the chief priest, uh, uh, Matthew 21, I should say, the chief priests and elders wanted to know where Jesus' authority came from. And you can read about it, but he didn't tell them because he wasn't ready to release all that. But we know his authority came from heaven. It came from God. And he came to do the will of his Father. And, and now he has given us authority. He has given you authority, right? And he gives us a certain measure of authority to be used for his glory and to tell his story. To, to empower us to overcome sin. And we have authority to make disciples who makes disciples. We, we have that authority. And we ought to be doing that. Make disciples who make disciples. Teach people, immerse them in baptismal, immerse them in God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, and, and have them do the same. But with power, but with authority comes power, respect, and responsibility. We are to remain faithful to the Lord. We would obey his will, his ways, and honor him. And authority neglected or abused is going to face punishment and consequences in the future. Matthew 25 uh, gives us this parable of the talents. And we know that, that the master goes on a, a journey for a long time. That Matthew 25, and he trusted his servants with his property. And, and they were stewards, and they were to take care of it. And they were supposed to have dominion over this stuff. And the master gave different amounts to each of his servants and gave five talents of money to one servant and two talents to a second servant and then, and then one talent to another, each according to their ability. You all have a certain level of ability, each one according to your ability and therefore each was to steward well what was given them. And after a long time, a long time, a long waiting period, right, the master come home and wants an account of what was done. And the first servant was given five talents and he responds, Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful to a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share the master's happiness. When you do God's work, you share in the master's happiness. And this man with two talents came. And master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. I have gained two more. His master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Then verse 24, the man who had received the one talent, master, he said, I knew you were a hard man. Harvesting where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talents in the ground. See, here's what happens, what, what belongs to you. His master said, you wicked servant, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I not sown and gathered where I have not scattered. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Verse 28, take that talent from him and give it to the one who had 10 talents. For everyone who has been given more, will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Throw this worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to listen up carefully. I know it's, I want you to listen up carefully. 
We're not called, church, to maintain our gifts. Oh, you need to get that today. We're not called to maintain our gifts. We're called to increase. We're called to multiply. Too many Christians are in maintenance mode. We're in maintenance mode, church. No, that's wrong. And I will go one step further. If you're walking in maintenance mode, you're sinning. We're called to increase. We're called to be fruitful. We are called to multiply, not to maintain what God has already given us. If you're just a stale or stagnant or trying to maintain life or the status quo, you sin. The master says, you wicked, lazy servant. You should have put your money in the bank on deposit with the bankers, right? So that when I return, I would have received it back with interest and increase, even a little increase. Even our small little pennies that we get from the bank these days, right, is an increase. Would it have been better to give the master something more than what he gave us? Kingdom authority, it's not maintaining what we have. Kingdom authority is not just keeping the church clean or the grass cut or, or the building maintained. Yes, those things are important. We have to be faithful with what God has given us. We have to take care of, of God's house church. We have to make it look nice and the, and the property be nice and, and be proud of it. But, but that's not where it ends. If we're not increasing, we're doing something wrong. If we're not winning souls, we're doing something wrong. If, if we're not loving ministry and loving people and loving God and modeling God and doing these things, if we're not making disciples who makes disciples, then we're failing the kingdom of God. We're not working and walking properly in the authority of God. We're not doing the master's business rightly. We're in maintenance mode. I'd like you all just to bow your head just for a few moments. Close your eyes if you will. This way we're not distracted. Pause and listen to what God is speaking to you about just for the next few moments. I believe some of us need to repent. Some of us need to repent for allowing our gifts and abilities to grow cold and become stagnant and dried up. Some of us need to repent for allowing fear to stop you from going forward. Others might be watching from home and maybe you allow fear to stop you from coming to church and being with other saints of God. I'll just say this, if you have your health, you're, or you're on, you should be here. If you have a health issue or unable to travel, I get it. But I will just tell you this, many are sinning and many are living in fear and being lazy, lazy steward. And I would say this to all of us, even myself, we are to examine our hearts, judge yourself, and respond with repentance and obedience. To many, maybe you're already on fire for God, and I applaud you, but one thing is for certain, when our master returns, I want him to say to me, and I want him to say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, a few things. I will put you in charge of many more things. Come and share in the master's happiness. And be certain of this. Be certain of this, church, when you're faithful to the Lord. More and more responsibilities come your way. Get this, more work needs to be done. He gives us responsibility and oversight. He gives you more not less. This idea of retiring to nothing is a foolish man's end. God's word says, I will put you in charge of many more things. Many more things. Come and share in my happiness. Come and share in my happiness. Would you stand? If you in any way feel that the Lord is speaking to your hearts in one way or the other, you should come up and just repent to the Lord. Respond at these altars. Remember, obedience is action. Obedience has to do with action. Faith is an action word. I'm going to encourage you week after week after week to spend time on your knees at your seat, at these altars, walking around. Sometimes here around the altar, we need repentance, obedience, dedication unto God. Ask God to speak to your heart. Ask God to direct your next steps. Ask Him to help you with your talents and your gifts and abilities. Ask Him to power you up 
to give you a power surge to make the make Holy Spirit come alive and real in your hearts and minds at a new level and I believe that he will make a way as you as you take faithful obedient steps Lord help me and once again we are to take obedient steps and actions I think some of us need to just spend some more time here on our knees or here as you make your way forward I'm going to leave you these two verses behold I give you Luke 10 19 behold I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy nothing shall hurt you if you're in Christ Jesus even if you die on earth nothing will stop you from being in heaven forever and ever when you give your life over to Christ Luke 9 1 and he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure disease church let's power up let's start walking in the power and authority of God believing that his words are true and when we trust and follow him and obey him I believe the power and the authority of God will start filling this place and the miraculous will start taking place at new levels in our hearts in our homes in our churches in our communities this year something great is going to start happening like never before I hold on to it I embrace it we're believing for miracles and greater days ahead and many of us are at crossroads in our life we need to we need to start pressing in more with God we'd love to pray for you and with you Here it
conquered yes. it all. Our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for what's being done in this church, in this house, oh God. We pray blessings over everything that's been done today, oh God. Lord, we're believing, Lord, that a touch from heaven has come, Lord. Minister to our hearts throughout the week, Lord. And, and Lord, we believe, Lord, and we're praying, Lord, that the, the healing power will continue to flow tonight, tomorrow, next week, Lord. And may we walk in your authority and power in Jesus' name. Amen. Say hello to somebody. Have a great week, church. God bless you all.